0: Welcome to this episode of Saintly Witnesses, where I talk to the Catholic behind the account. Today, I'm speaking with Marcia Elaine McGee, who's going to come on and share some of her experiences at the Catholic speaker um, and just give some wisdom that she can share about, you know, her plan or her her life with God's plan. So thank you for coming on and sharing this uh, crucial information with us today uh, uh, from you.
1: Um, Thank you for having me here today i um i appreciate that thank you
0: (laughs) yeah and so i'm always just always eager to connect with catholics who are who i notice are doing like really great things and um i'm glad that you are able to contribute to this uh this large cloud of witnesses that we have on this program <laughs> so thank you so um let's get started let's talk about your faith journey growing up Were are you a cradle catholic um convert or a revert and how was your faith growing up uh, middle life and how that led you to now
1: Yes. So I grew up Protestant. Like I grew up in the black church. My, both of my granddaddies were preachers. One, my dad's side of the family, they're Baptist. So my granddaddy on that side was a whole Baptist preacher. Him and my grandma had a church, ran a church. And then on the, my mom's side of the family, they're like apostolic Pentecostal. And my granddaddy preacher ran a church with my step grandma. Like it was like, so it was the faith was like surrounding me always. Like there was no way around it. So I've been Christian all my life. Um, Actually, it's funny. I didn't know what Christian was until I was in seventh grade. Like I told you, I grew up in the black church, so I knew that I was saved. (laughs) I was like, whatever it is, I'm saved. And I went to Catholic school in seventh grade. And I will never forget, we were talking about, I said how I wasn't Catholic. And Nora Walsh was so confused. She's like, how are you here? And you're not Catholic. I was like, I don't know. We pay tuition and I'm here. And she's like, are you even Christian? And I was like, I don't know. And I asked my grandma, and I was like, Nora Walsh wants to know if I'm Christian. And my grandma's like, Yes, you are Christian. Like, what are you talking about? And I came back and I was like, Nora Walsh, I'm Christian. And she seemed to be satisfied with that. Um, my journey to the church um, took place over those years from being in seventh grade, going to Catholic school, and eighth grade going to Catholic school, and participating in, you know, religion class and class and participating in mass. and. Being part of things that way. And then that went on to high school where it took on a bigger part where I would do service projects with, you know, the Catholic campus ministry, (laughs) Um, you know, things like that. And then into college and then my junior year of college, I converted. I went through RCIA and was confirmed at the Easter Vigil in the year 2000. So it's been this, I reached my 20 year Catholic bursary. Like I've officially now reached a point where I have been Catholic for longer in my life than I haven't. And so it's pretty great. Um, So like, I mean, it's only by a few months, (laughs) but that's okay, right? I'll take it. So I've been Catholic longer than I haven't. And I really believe that it, I was supposed to be Catholic. Like, I think that's just the way my life was leading me, the way my heart is, the way my spirituality is, the way I pray, um, how I, I like things to be just so. Um, <laughs> I feel like a very organized spiritual mind is meant to be Catholic. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> so um, so that's kind of where I, I ended up being Catholic. And it was it was a lot because growing up, protestant and not just protestant but growing up like saved, sanctified you know black church um it was preached over the pulpit that catholics were going to hell and catholics weren't really you know what it was about and that was hard for me and i hate to say reconcile because i feel like there should have been no reconciliation on my part becoming catholic but it was hard to reconcile that with my family with um helping them to know that, you know, I wasn't so like this, I wasn't sinning and I wasn't. Um, and so sometimes I even think that's still hard for them, but I prayed a lot. I, I've told the story before where I went through my whole, I want to say it was East. I went to Holy Thursday service in 1999 um, at a local church with my friends and that I sat in that service and it was really the most, one of the most beautiful things I ever witnessed. And this is my sophomore year of college at the time. And I remember just in my spirit, like I, I was so, I was unsettled, but also settled at the same time. <laughs> I don't know. It was just kind of like something was going on. I'm just watching this happen and taking in those words. And from that night, from that night in April of 1999, all the way, like, so for the next gosh, uh, not even six months, uh, four months, all I did was pray. All I did was pray. And I didn't tell any of my friends that I was thinking about becoming Catholic because they're already Catholic. And I wanted to make sure that it was my decision, decision beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I prayed and I was hung up on Mary and the saints and, were they right? Are they okay? Um, And it got to a point where when... I was doing prison ministry at the time with my group of friends and they wanted to go see Our Lady of the New Millennium. It was this Mary statue. And I was like, oh, my gosh, seriously, I don't want to see a Mary statue. Like, like, You know what I mean? Because when you're Protestant and you hear about Mary, you're like, these Catholics worship Mary like they're crazy. Don't they know that she's not God? And we went to the statue and everyone's at the statue and they're crying and there's like tears and all this stuff. And I am, uh, I'm just, I'm like, I'm staying off to the side. And I'm just like, once we're done, we can go get ice cream. Right. <laughs> that was it. And so this was August 5th. Um, so I, uh, I just went and just kind of read some information about the st- statue. You should look it up. It's called Our Lady of the New Millennium. It is huge and it's beautiful. Um, and I, was, um I, I, I was just in awe of the statue. Like I saw the foot of the statue and it's like literally the foot. And I was like, that is a huge foot. This statue must be. And I looked up and it was this moment of connection between this like hunk of welded steel and I, <laughs> which is definitely the Holy Spirit. And I remember just being so in awe in that moment and being lost for words. And quite frankly, weak in the knees. And I had to, like, I just kind of sat down where I was. Um, and I just start praying and it was like, I didn't know what I was praying. I was just kind of like, I don't know what's going on. Like it was probably, I like to say I was praying cause that sounds super eloquent, but really I was like, I don't know what's happening. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Like it was probably gibberish in my brain and God's like, calm down. <laughs> you got this. And as I was having my freak out that I will call prayer, um, I was being comforted, and I was being soothed by a woman's voice, telling me to trust, telling me that um, that I am okay, telling me uh, like just speaking words of trust and dependence um, and love and faith like just over me and I remember like my spirit, like that was the calmest that I had been in a really long time because I came off of a really hard summer. I was having a really hard time faith wise. And I really feel like in this time of discernment, I wasn't telling anyone, like I was pursuing God and Satan was pursuing me. Does that like, and that's what happens that usually when Satan shows up, he's like, Oh, oh okay, you want to pursue something, I'll give you a race. <laughs> and so, um, and in that moment, everything and my fears and my, um, my hangups and my insecurities, like she was just, this woman's voice was just speaking love over them. And um, I felt so safe. And when I was done praying, I don't know how long I was praying. When I was done praying, I knew I had all the answers I could ever need. And I knew I was going to call the Catholic church home from that moment, August 5th, 1999. I was going to call the Catholic Church home. And then later on that month, when school started, I walked into the campus ministry department and I was like, I would like to start RCIA. And here I am, a Catholic for longer than I haven't been.
0: <laughs> so with that story in mind, and you've been Catholic longer than you haven't been, <laughs> um, what would you say to someone who was discerning the Catholic Church as a possible um, place to encounter Jesus?
1: Oh, well, <laughs> I... You know what? I would say don't sell yourself short on what you're looking for and what you need. Um, I think I made it so cerebral, which is good. I always say good cynics make good Catholics. Um, and because we, we have, we, seriously, I feel like we have proof for all the things <laughs> we lay it out. Um, I would say don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. Uh, I would say, don't feel that you need to leave your former faith behind, no matter what you are, no matter where you are in your faith. I've known people who were Hindu and they were Catholic, and there are some things that they pull from, they're not that they're changing the church at all, but they're not forgetting where they came from, because their foundation of faith led them here, right? So don't think that you have to leave all that, or you have to completely change who you are. Be prepared to be changed, um, but don't change yourself. I don't know if that exactly makes sense, but um, I always don't be afraid to ask the hard questions because as much as we love our priests and they, they're they the fathers and they're there to lead us, um, they also know that they're there to answer for things. They're there to answer for the church, past, present, maybe future, Um they're put there in that position to to answer those hard questions. If they can't answer those hard questions, they should be honest enough with you to let them know they can't and be seeking an answer. So don't ever, don't ever go into anything with your eye. Like this is such a life altering choice. Don't go in with your eyes closed. Know exactly. Because here's the thing at the end of the day, If you come from a background that is really strongly against the faith or does not understand the faith in any way, you have to be prepared to defend yourself without stressing yourself out. And that is a huge part of it. A lot of it, that's why it was so important when I said in my discernment that I prayed about it and I sought truth without telling my Catholic friends because I needed to be able to stand on my own two feet when I approached my mom who (laughs) was like, What are you talking about? Like, um, you're safe, sanctified, um, filled with the Holy Ghost. Like, what are you talking about? I had to be able to stand on my own two feet and say, I wasn't influenced. Right. I had to stand on my own two feet, feet to say what I knew what the truth was. And sometimes you need that confidence in yourself so that other people won't be able to tear you down because whether you become Catholic or not, that that's between you and God. Right. Um, we would love to have you here. There's room at the table. Yay, tables. Um, but I'll, like, go in with your eyes open and make sure you have all your questions answered and make sure that you have the confidence to do it.
0: And piggybacking on what you just said, you know, I'm all I do believe that, you know, God uses our unique identifiers and characteristics for his purpose. So it's not like we have to cancel who we are when Mm -hmm. we come to him. He can definitely use those. So that's definitely um, something true that I would um, echo. Um, Yeah.
1: He's always pursuing us. I don't know if you would agree, like while we're pursuing him, he's definitely, he will find us no matter where we are. Like if he wants us, he's going to get us. It's like, you know, like like I say it all the time, like, it's true. He's like, he's like, you know what? I want you, mercy, And I was like, fine, God, you can have me, right? That's just kind of how it is. We have to resign ourselves to that.
0: Right, right. That's true. Um, So let's go to the next part of the conversation. So I know, I know that you are, you've done a few speaking opportunities before in different places, I'm sure. And so I'm wondering, like, um, like, what influenced you to, you know, start start sharing your story on how God is working in your life and the experiences that you've had, how He's taking them and using them for a larger purpose. Like, how have you um, managed to insert those in your, you know, speaking career? Like,
1: first of all, you should know I have close to no filter, so I don't mind sharing. <laughs> That's real. No, I um, I've always and I've had opportunities when I did the campus youth ministry in college to, you know, give witness talk and talks and to share my story. Like I told you before, I was doing prison ministry, and that was actually the first place where I shared my story was at a juvenile prison, and it was like I had a captive audience. <laughs> like they were there, um, and it was it was really easy because there were people I wouldn't see again after. That retreat weekend, right? Like my friends and I put on a well, other people put on a retreat. I would tell my story. I would leave. I would probably see them again at prayer group, but there was no, it was, it was a very easy way to get practice at doing that. And I really love sharing my story. I feel that the times in my life when I've needed to hear something from God, I've always heard it in the form of someone else's witness. And it didn't matter if their witness was like mine or not. Like, it could be very different, right? I can be like, I'm not, you know, like a refugee, but I can get something from that witness of a refugee, right? So it really ha- it really empowered me to start sharing my story because I feel that there was a lot of good and there's a lot of good stuff to be used, um, knowing that I was able to use my story, you know, on a weekend um, at... A juvenile prison where so many, so much of the population was so jaded, um, my words could heal. And that's where I started writing and I started speaking and I'm a podcaster as well. And that is where I get that. I'm like, I like, here's the thing. God gives you a testimony, right? Like you have it like, and not everyone's testimony, not everyone's witness is a struggle, right? So I just want to make sure that's very clear. Not everyone has to go through a struggle to have a witness or a testimony. That is false, right? God doesn't want us to be in pain in our lives. He just wants us to, God's not sitting up there and his throne in heaven. Like I'm going to make you struggle and then you're going to speak about it. And then it's all worth it. Right. And it's like, uh, no, because this hurts, right? So there are times, like, I really am so, grateful those people who have a witness to share who who have a like a quote unquote good life right so I feel like there's something there is God didn't give me the story for me to sit on it right God didn't like I didn't come out of all the things that I came out of not to share with someone how I did it and to share about God's power even when I couldn't feel it because even though they may not go through the same struggles I'm going through everyone has a struggle right every person has a struggle and they need to be like, God is here somewhere, right? God and not his all powerfulness is around here helping, right? And then I'd be like, hey, he he is. Let me tell you how I know. And um, that I always like to share just parts of my life because they, I feel it helps. I'm not alone. We're not alone. God didn't make like, And that's the thing, like you hear with priests, how people like they go, you can't go to a confession and tell a priest something he hasn't heard before. Right. By the time a priest is a priest for a year, they're like, I've heard all the things. Right. (laughs) And so it's like, so which tells you that you are not alone in your sin. You're not alone in in your struggles. And sometimes people just need to hear that.
0: Yeah, definitely true. And um, the the part that you mentioned about you learning from other people's witness is something I'm going to come back to. After this question. So the next question is, um, I mean, obviously you're a black woman.
1: Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm a whole black woman. Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And you have a lot of different experience, I'm sure, with, you know, discerning God's plan and following God's plan and life experience. So I'm wondering, like, what are some messages that you hope people get when they hear you speak on, I guess, like racism, life, God's plan? Um, yeah, like what are some things that you hope people get depending on like the talk that you give or speech that you give to people?
1: Well, I hope that in every speech or every talker, anything that I'm, I ever comes across is the joy, um, the joy that's not only in the journey and the struggle, but, that you have to, you actually, it's intentional, you have to choose it. Um, Just because we have gotten our lives doesn't mean like, oh, boom, we've accepted God, it's so great. And it's like, false. Um, It will help you. It will not heal all the things you got to do the work. And so I feel that's a lot of the times where people use God as a band-aid like um, my friends like Romans 828 where all things will work out in the favor of God that he calls it the Romans 828 band-aid and so um, and I love it because I always say it all the time and I go um, we have to rip off the 828 band-aid and we're the ones like we have to get stitches and I really hope that that's like that's what comes across like God absolutely is amazing and he's all powerful but he but you have to do the work and, and I hope in any time that I'm able to talk to someone or influence or you know inspire someone I don't like to use that word it makes me sound so pretentious if I've inspired you like, <laughs> but um is that you have to do the work and that it's always on you my mom and I say something all the time Um, and like, and it always comes across my message like, get up and put your shoes on. And I know that sounds crazy. So when God was like, so Paul was like legit in prison, right? Like he, Paul was always, Paul was such a troublemaker and he was like always in prison and he was like, it it was Paul, right? He wrote all those. Yeah. I was like, sometimes I mess up Peter and Paul. He was in prison and God was going to get him out of prison. And God was like, wake up, dude, I'm going to get you out of here. Right. And. Here's what happened. You know what God asked him to do? He told him, get up and put your shoes on. Right? God, who has the power to let this man escape from prison, right, was like, hey, there's still something you have to do for yourself. Right? He's like, God could have totally put those shoes on. Right? He could have been like, let me shod your feet for you, dude. (laughs) Like, my dude, like, (laughs) get you out of prison. and that's not what happened. He told him that he still had to do the work. And I think that if anyone ever hears me speak or talk, what I want them to always come away with is the work that they can do, right? Like what is the work you can do? Not this was such a great talk because so many people hear great talks and then tuck them away in their back pocket and they forget about those great talks. And then they go to another conference that speakers there again. They're like, yeah, that was a great talk. That's a great talk. They give great talks, but they don't apply that to their work, um, I always, always, always are like, this is a do, right? Like I don't, and like my message isn't over unless I've told you to do something. Not that you should listen to me, but you have to internalize like the work that you have to do.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. Um, I I think having anything, saying anything without action is just, um, it's kind of like useless kind of. So having that moment of like internalization and putting it back on them to go out and or like kick the audience into action is uh, is what we all should do.
1: At least that's what I hope I do. <laughs> I mean people <laughs> might still put my talks in their back pocket who knows. But...
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so the part that you mentioned um, about learning from other people's witness um, I'm curious uh, as we close out the interview who was a saint that you admire and look up to a lot and whose witness has like impacted your faith and who inspires your faith or is it multiple saints that you look up to?
1: Um, I mean, I look up to multiple saints. Absolutely. Um, I just, so I follow Meg Hunter Kilmer. She's actually a friend of mine. She writes about the saints all the time and she's always got some great examples. This past, last week, she did that reflection on St. Nicholas, which was amazing. Here's the thing. We knew St. Nicholas was like legit a whole roughneck. Like he was like, he got the job done, right? He was like, speak softly with the big stick um, type of guy who got in there and just made good trouble. Right. Um, And so I, I, Have been really just inspired, um, and then also just uh, praying for this intercession this week. Um, But he, I really love the saints that aren't afraid to act. Right, they're like my favorite saint is my patron, Saint Mary Magdalene. Um, that is like she's she's. I have loved Saint Mary Magdalene since before I was Catholic. And well, because you know, because she's in the Bible, and you Protestants don't read anything, it's the Bible. Like so, she was there. Um, I actually gave my Easter speech about the morning that she came to Jesus's grave and he was not there and he appeared to her. I'm just saying, Mary and I go way back, Mary Magdalene, that is, and um she had this holy boldness, and I always saw that in her, and I was raised to have holy boldness and Mary Magdalene is the reason we have so much of our faith because she wasn't afraid to speak up and talk back. And I think that is huge. Like, So that's the reason why we have color Easter eggs. I don't know if you know that. So Mary Magdalene would be like at these grand like lunches and people weren't, people weren't believing that, you know, Jesus risen. they still, you know what I mean? Like they're kind of like, that's not true. And she was in it like undercover, like undercover preacher woman uh, (laughs) going through. So she'd be like these elaborate like dinners with like Kings and like royalty and, you know, like Dukes and all this other stuff. And she would stand up in the middle of dinner and she would hold up a red egg and say Christ is risen and she would dare someone to oppose her she was going to get her message heard all the time right like she spoke up and she talked back she had that straight up holy boldness and that is like i was like i i mean they did not have the enneagram in the time of mary magdalene i was like but she was an eight just like me i've decided <laughs> so that like she is the saint that i look up to <laughs>
0: Uh, was she going to throw the egg at somebody?
1: Well, no, no. She just had it, right? I mean, hey, if it came to that, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, Mary Magdalene could be like a little bit hood sometimes. But yeah. like, but if it came to that, no, I'm just kidding. But no, she had it up as a symbol of Christ's resurrection. Um, okay. The egg is new life and the red is Christ's blood. And so that is like that tradition lives on because of that. Um, like she's the first person to proclaim the risen Christ. And we don't have a faith if we can't proclaim the risen Christ. And I just think that it's just really powerful to realize that um she she wasn't afraid.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I never I never considered um, the idea of holy boldness. That's a that's a powerful word to use last week somebody mentioned living liturgically this week is holy boldness and so all these different things that everybody's contributing that's so powerful so definitely appreciate you sharing that and definitely mary magdalene is a a great saint and a great figure who testified and bore witness to the risen christ uh so i could definitely see how she's a, uh, a integral member of your your spirituality yes Um, So as we conclude this conversation, I definitely want to say thank you for coming on and, you know, sharing your conversion story to the Catholic Church and also just giving us the very important, um, you know, lesson on getting your feet wet when they speak (laughs) to you. I think that's so important that, you know, you don't want to just talk and just speak vainly, but actually have people um, reflect and go out and do work, whether that be spiritually and doing stuff to help you grow spiritually, or whether that's like anti-racism work, pushing for more equality and equity, or just, you know, discerning God's call. Um, I think that's all powerful information that you challenge people to, you know, get up out of their comfort zone and do something better.
1: Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having
0: me. Yeah, I definitely appreciate this conversation Well that's going to conclude this episode of Saintly Witnesses, you guys can tune in to the next episode uh, where we talk to uh, the Catholics across social media that are doing great things